Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Business Creators Radio Show. We're so excited to have you join us today for another fantastic episode as we kick off 2015. As the name says, our listeners are business creators, and they fall into one of four different categories, or more than one of four different categories, all depending. We have our entrepreneurs, small business owners, and local business owners. We have marketing and business coaches. We have the folks who help others build their businesses. These are who we call the business creators. And then we have the do-it-yourselfers who run your own marketing and just love having your own hands on the levers. If you are one or more of the above, take a moment, explore episodes, and discover how our experts can help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. We're also on iTunes. Give us a look. Do a search for Business Creators Radio Show. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us help more business creators like you. And the feed is updated every single week. My name is Adam Homey. I'm your host. I'm so excited to have you here today. And we are going to be discussing a topic that is on the minds of so many folks who jump into entrepreneurship and about a year into it as they look up from their piles of paperwork and their phone that won't stop ringing and all that free time that they're we were supposed to get from having a freedom-based lifestyle, wondering when they're going to have a Sunday where they only have to work 14 hours. That whole idea that you jumped into entrepreneurship and you ended up creating a job. Now, if you've ever found yourself sick to your stomach and frustrated with your business, is you realize that all these sacrifices you made in personal funds and time away from your family may have actually dug you into a deeper hole. You've created a job for yourself, not a business for yourself. You are far from alone. Yours truly, and almost everybody I know, has been there before. And today's very special guest expert, Leslie Hassler, with Your Biz Rules, has been there as well. Leslie's mission as a business coach and strategist is to help you and other entrepreneurs, both male and female, revive and reinvent your business to move past too much to do, make great money, and have more time to spend with your family. She combines her proven seven-figure to seven-figure strategies, I'm wondering if that's correct, she'll correct me in a second, with innovative ways to leverage time, putting you back in control and solidly into a profitable business. Leslie received the Business Excellence Forum's International Business Award in 2011 for growing her business 150% in six months. She's a best-selling author, and she appears on stages across the nation. And today, she appears on the Business Creators Radio Show. Leslie, welcome aboard. Howdy. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, I love that enthusiastic howdy. So, correct me. Am I right or am I wrong? Do you combine proven seven-figure to seven-figure strategies, or should that be six to seven-figure? You know, these are strategies that work. They're simple business strategies that work no matter if you're in five figures, six figures, or seven figures. Really what the key is is how you leverage them for your business to get you to where you need to be. So you're not going to use, you know, some of those strategies when you're at five figures. You know, you're going to use the strategies that make sense to get you into six figures and so on and so forth. So it's really kind of a recognition that these strategies work at almost any level, but some work better at different levels of business than others. You know, I, I want to bookmark. I want to say something. I want to bookmark this because we got to get to know you here a little bit. But uh, when I first started entrepreneurship, when we took what is now known as Help My Website Sell full time at the end of 2005, within two or three months, one of my earliest mentors, a man for whom I have profound respect, he introduced me to somebody who owns a very large company. And next thing you know, I find myself uh, trying to negotiate what should have been a seven figure deal. Now, you would have thought that I could have negotiated that one, uh, rode that way for five years and had myself set, but the fact was I had just started in business. The idea of doing a $1,500 deal was actually cause for pause and celebration. Uh, I probably should not have been trying to negotiate seven figures, at least at that point. Now, there is that thing you hear out there that, you know, whether or not you have the skills or not, say yes and then go get the skills, it doesn't mm-hmm. always quite translate. And I think <laughs> as we discover through this, we're going to find out some of the reasons why, and you're going to share that with us. But before we do, let's take a step back and give those of our listeners who may not have heard of you yet, uh, those two or three people that uh, have their primary address as under a rock, a chance to get to know you a little. So tell us a little bit about your background, Leslie, and what brought you to where you are today. Well, not a problem. You know, I love the categories you shared at the first part of the show because I fit several of those. Right. So I do consider myself to be an entrepreneur. 
first and foremost. Um, I am a serial entrepreneur. I've had multiple businesses. And I think there's a stage to where you get in being in business to where you realize that you're no longer your job title, but you're an entrepreneur who just happens to be doing something, if that makes sense. So I I do consider myself to be an entrepreneur first. Um, I am a business coach, but really that business creator model is what I love. I love, love, love helping my clients create businesses and build them and grow them at levels that they just never thought would be possible. But to kind of understand, you know, how you get to that, you have to almost re- rewind <laughs> and right. really understand where I've come from. You know, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family, although I didn't realize that's what it was when I was little. You know, I would be trying to resell gummy bracelets and teddy bear pins. I'm dating myself to the early 80s here, mm-hmm. you know, in elementary school and just any way to make money. But my parents were in small business and business centers, but they were never very successful. You know, it was always a business, a job, a business, a job, a business, and a job. But I do remember there was this one business that started to make a difference in our lives. And we were pretty poor, and this business we could do splurges like a McDonald's Happy Meal back when they were 99 cents or $2 or whatever they were. And that was exciting. We could take a road trip as a family. And I remember this business as being this little bright spot in our lives until it wasn't. And for, you know, I think I was about 11, 12 at this time, and my parents had an episode where the sales tax uh, money was embezzled by their accountant. And oh being that, yeah, big oh boy, right? And it was, I believe it was in $20,000. So this is, you know, this is 80s, $20,000 a lot. And we weren't a well-to-do, um, financially stable family, and so we couldn't support that. It wound up my parents lost the business. We filed bankruptcy, and I kind of pinpointed that is the um, fall of my family. You know, it was a complete disintegration after there, and it was not a pleasant time. But what my brain said, you know, as an 11- or 12-year-old, is that business was bad for family. Business and family didn't mix. Right. And so all of those dreams that I had about, how, you know, doing little businesses and all this thing, I really just kind of said no to it. It's not that I didn't have them. It's just that I wanted more for my family. And so I went into corporate. You know, I had a degree in journalism, did marketing and advertising agency work for five years, um, had a mini meltdown <laughs> at the ripe old age of 27, literally, like, had to be driven home, could not hold myself together, Uh, changed careers, went back to school, got a degree in interior design, and started practicing design, and uh, wound up opening my own business in 2007. And I say wound up because I think this is a lot, so many people's stories is I've been working contracts for other designers, and designers aren't always good at business, so I would always have to find a new job. And I was tired of that, so I just up and decided I was going to open up my business. Like literally on a Wednesday, I decided to open a business, and like by Monday, I was incorporated. I mean, that's how much planning was in there. Right. And um, we had a pretty average or good to average first year, but by the second year, you know, we started in May, so the first year was decent. By the first quarter, end of first quarter, the first year, I was already into six figures. Whoa. Um, Good for you. Yeah, cool, right? I thought I was the bomb. I thought I was, you know, I had this business thing figured out. And what I didn't know and what the uh, recession kind of showed me was I didn't have much figured out. You know, I had um, a decent business model that was thriving because times were really good and people were spending money indiscriminately and I could do that. Um, 2008 and 09, we, I you know, had a multi-six-figure business, and then I didn't. <laughs> I lost over 50% of the business, and I really spent two years in a deep depression, um, really struggling to build back my business, finding that everything that I was doing before wasn't working. I invested in seminars and read books and, you know, did all those things that you do when you're looking for the answers to the wrong questions. You right. know, everything I tried didn't work. I mean, it would work for Joe, and it wouldn't work for me. And, you know, you get into that whole, like, well, what's wrong with me kind of motion. Right. Um, until I just really had a kind of a put, <laughs> shut up or put up kind of moment with myself, and I said, that's it. I need to get somebody else to help me. 
and with that is the you know the 150 percent growth in six months and that's fabulous but what i found out i wasn't happy i was still working the 80 hours a week Mm -hmm. i was making more money at it you know i had staff to pay and things like that but i was working myself to death right and so i had a that light bulb moment of that whole like business kills family from your little childhood moment of seeing that I had essentially built a business that wasn't allowing me any time with my family. And I had a three-year-old and a five-year-old, three-and-a-half-year-old and a five-year-old at the time that I barely saw. I mean, dinner, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> you know. I had, like, stopped to cook dinner. I fed I fed everybody. Everybody else went to watch TV. I went back to work. I stopped to, you know, put them in bed. I went back to work, you know, worked till 1 in the morning, got up at 6 o'clock, worked until 7. I mean, literally, I saw them for maybe an hour and a half of a day. Right. And that's not life. Nor is no. life not the life that I want. That's, that's not what a lot of folks sign up for because we have um, clients in our business mix who specialize in helping parents who are entrepreneurs find more freedom to be with their children and mm-hmm. fulfill the goal of being that type of parent that they always dreamed of being that they really want to be for their children. That's actually one of the niches they specifically go after and the specific help that they render, which you don't find too often in entrepreneurial coaching and consulting programs, that whole focus on the family. So that is a very, very big deal, and especially somebody as yourself who I can tell is a very dedicated, um, loving mother, uh, that had to be very rough for you. It, you know what? It really um, stunk to high heavens, if I use right. kind words, <laughs> when you come to that realization. But I had when I got to that point, because I'm always I'm always going to improve. That's my nature. I'm always looking to okay, if it's not working, how do I make it work? Is my next question. I don't wallow for a long time in right. that area. And literally through the course of three years, took that same business that where I had a staff of four. I was working 80 hours a week. Um, you know, went to a staff of just me and a part-time assistant, same business, growing at 10 to 20% a year and working 20 hours. Right. You know, there's a lot of clutter in there as entrepreneurs that we keep around. And going through that process of really getting down to what matters, getting down to what makes the money, getting down to what serves me, my clients, and my family made things so much clearer. And so that process, you know, really was how I learned firsthand of, you know, not only just how to make money. Because honestly, if I'm really honest with you, making money is easy. Yep. You're very right about that. Um, I moved from one townhouse to an apartment about three months ago. Believe it. Oh, my God. It's been three months already. I know time is really flying here. And two hours after I disassembled my home network at the old place, uh, something went absolutely foobar on my company's primary website where it just wouldn't load correctly. Uh-huh. Uh, I paid somebody to try and fix it, and they couldn't find it. Apparently, there was just some kind of conflict or something like that. And uh, now a lot of businesses would say, you know, well, we have to stop everything. We have to fix the website. We can't possibly be in business without the website. And then I thought and I said, you know what, I still – I still have people beating down my door. I still have all kinds of projects on the books that are bringing in money. Uh, Referrals are still coming in. I have people who I'm telling that they have to wait two weeks before I can work with them because of my move. Uh, We'll live without the website, uh, and we'll just do it right whenever we can. So we were without a website for uh, five weeks, and uh, revenue-wise, it didn't even register. Because you already had your marketing engine. Your marketing right. engine was there. You you built your pipeline. You had support. I think that's a really good point of, A, yes, it stinks. I, I personally have broken my website and had it take two weeks to fix right. it. I mean, I personally did it. Um, but it's not the end of the world. You know, it's just it's something you have to work around and work with. But when you've got certain systems like that in your business to where you've worked hard to get the pipeline going and it's still moving, You, your business can sustain things like that. It's not the end of the world. Is it great? No, but it's not. Nobody's going to die because of it, and right. you're still able to, you know, make the money, so to speak. But I do think, you know, the making money is actually the easiest part of being in business, and we complicate almost everything as entrepreneurs in our business. 
And so that, you know, is one of those things that I help my clients with in growing their business, but growing it in a way that's not about more work. You know, sometimes it is, but really a sustainable business isn't always about more work or more right. clients. You know, there are a lot of smarter ways to build your business. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit more. But, you know, the money part's easy. It's really yeah. about what you do with everything after it that makes it hard. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> It's you know, a little bit more challenging. <laughs> yeah, yeah you're, you're absolutely right about that. And I find that the more I downsize, the better – we do, and uh, you know my my business. You know, I have myself. I have a couple assistants, and I have uh, somebody who can pinch in for me on some of the projects and things like that. But uh, uh, you know, there's only a set amount of projects we'll take on. I mean, as of the day we're doing this interview, our project uh, our project plate is absolutely full. There are no spaces available on it until February or whenever I get one of the five existing projects cleared off whichever comes first. That's just the way it is. And we've made the decision that the way we're going to grow this business is by working with a select group of high-level clients where we restrict how many we bring on at a time because we find if we go over by even one that it can cause some growing pains type issues. And the real growth for the business is going to be through speaking and through products and, and public training. So that's just where we feel that we can leverage the business better. Uh, there, A lot of entrepreneurial thinking says, well, build a team and serve more clients. But what if what you really want to do is serve a few clients and then serve the world? You don't see enough people teaching that because if I can serve 100 people by doing one thing and they all pay me for doing that one thing, doesn't that feel like leverage to you? It is, and there's so much goodness that you've just talked about that's in there. You know, when you're in business for yourself, you have to get these things really well-defined for yourself. Right. And it helps to have somebody like in your position and my position who's been there, done that, and helped other people do it say, this is what that choice means, you know. Right. This is what you take on by this choice. But there's – so there are so many ways to grow and leverage your business, and it is about what's best for you. But I think, especially in service-based businesses, most everyone that is in a service-based business wants to have excellent work as a yeah. result, you know, as an end product, as your client either has some sort of transformation or, like, with your – you have more tangible results that you can yeah. see and, yeah. you know, monetize and track the ROI on – all of that nice, fun stuff. But I don't know one entrepreneur that says, man, I just want to do crap work, and I don't want anyone to be happy with it. No, I, I haven't met that person. Um, I have people who live that lifestyle, but uh, they don't, uh, unfortunately. And, uh, and, I've, and I've told them about this several times. And my advice to them typically is to take on fewer clients because where a lot of that crap work comes from is people getting overextended. And I myself have gotten in situations where I felt a little overextended, and we're going to talk about uh, the whole idea of getting overextended, and it causes things to run late or mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, things happen. And that's really not the way it should ever be. And when, it, when these things come up, uh, to me, a smart entrepreneur doesn't start getting frustrated and starting begging forgiveness or anything like that. They find the fastest possible way to get through it all, and they yeah. learn the lessons, and then they just don't do it again. So maybe what yeah. they do is uh, maybe next time around they raise their rates. So maybe I get them one less client, but maybe uh, with one less client they're actually making more money because they've raised their rates, and so they're essentially getting paid the same money for doing less work. Uh, to me, that sounds like a win. I'm not sure about you. Oh, it sounds like a perfect win, and that's what a lot of entrepreneurs should do. I mean, part of being an entrepreneur is that you're going to have learnings, you know, right? You're going to have up moments and down moments, and it's not so much that you, you know, beat yourself up for the down moments, but that you learn and grow from them. You know, everyone's human, and if you approach it that way, your clients, nine times out of ten, are going to understand, and if they don't, they're not a good client for you. Right. But when it comes to the pricing aspect, you know, that is a massive fear that people have. And you just talked about, you know, raising your rates and maybe I'll lose a client. Statistically, and I don't have them in front of me, so I might get the numbers wrong, but you'll get the jest. Okay. You know, even if you're at a 40 or 50% margin and you raised your prices 20%, and that sounds big to people, but you raised your prices 20%, I think the statistic is somewhere around you'd have to lose 20 to 30% of your client base in order for that to have a negative financial impact on your business. Right. 
So it's you almost call that like the a twenty twenty rule. Yeah, it's an it's really yeah, it's an eighty twenty rule, but it really is a no brainer when it comes to pricing. What hurts people with pricing is you mentioned it earlier when you were talking about the first client and you could have written a seven figure or yeah, seven figure contract and you were thinking fifteen thousand or fifteen hundred was awesome. That's right. mindset. That's confidence and belief in your value. When people raise their prices and then they can't sell that price and they go, Oh, it's because people won't pay the price that's not really the truth. The truth is is that you don't have the belief in the value that you're presenting. Right. What I need to do is I need to back up a little bit because we actually discussed what you're referring to in the green room. <laughs> um, I started my business in 2003, and then in September of 2005, we went full-time with it. Well, about three months later, um, one of my clients introduced me to this other person who was looking for various types of uh marketing support for their business and we were getting into the conversation and it was getting to the point where we were starting to talk about seven figures now here's me somebody who uh i just closed a 900 dollars deal Woo-hoo! i just raised my rate, i just raised my rates to 45 dollars an hour yes and now i'm here talking about seven figures i mean yeah. i mean i what i ended up doing is i ended up stalling the conversation until the deal just evaporated because i just wasn't ready i didn't have a concept of wrapping my head around that now retrospectively i realized the tools that i needed to make that happen but that was like uh that was like basically trying to um do a bicycle race around the grand canyon when you still have the training wheels on i mean it just wasn't there was just kind of an alignment of development versus opportunity there. Now, I'm not saying we always have to go, you know, we have to follow the yellow brick road and make sure we take every single step to success. And I'm not saying it would have been, it would be impossible if you're listening right now and you're used to um, doing $1,000 deals and somebody comes around talking about seven figures, you just should say, oh, no, Adam said you shouldn't do that. Shut that person down. <laughs> I'm not saying that, but I'm saying go into the situation with the right knowledge and the right skills. And if you don't have that yet, this would be a great time to go get it because if you have yeah. to invest $5,000 in business coaching right now, if that $5,000 closes you a million-dollar deal, you can ride for three years at the very beginning of your business. To me, that sounds like one of the best returns on investment you'll ever see. And there's so much I mean, in there that you're talking about, A, return on investment. People don't think about these things at all. It's one of the things I know you probably track with your clients. I track it with my clients. Right. I know what my return on my investment. I'm like, and on the low side, it's five, five times return. That's pretty darn good, you know. And I've got clients getting ten times return. That's awesome, you know. But they don't consider that. But what I liked what you said is there is some skill development that comes in with being able to sell, you know, the higher fees. And I think your number one red flag or indicator that you need those skills or is when you the thought of saying that higher number from wherever you are scares the bejeebus out of you. You know, that's kind of your clue of, okay, I need to work on why that is. You know, is it confidence? Is it mindset? Is it value? Is it sales, marketing? What it, what aspect of it is it? But even when I'm working on clients that um, I'm, you know, we're working on that process of increasing pricing and having value-based pricing versus time for dollars and all those wonderful right. Um, strategies that are there, I'm always asking, what's uncomfortable? Where where would you, you know, what would make you uncomfortable? Let's start there. You know, I don't want to double your prices if you can't even remotely think about doubling your prices. Right. I'm going to start you where you're uncomfortable first, and then we'll progress. Because that's really where you get that. You actually see results <laughs> quicker than you would, you know, if you just say, okay, pie in the sky, going from, you know, 900 to seven <laughs> figures. That's a big jump. You exactly. You might be able to pull it off. You might be able to pull it off. And the key is if that scares you and you still have that opportunity, who do you have in your circle that that wouldn't scare? Yeah. And I'd be calling that person up and saying, okay, this is what I have in front of me. How? What do I need to know? What am I not thinking about? And then make the most of the opportunity that you can. That's great. And do you realize, Leslie, that we have been hanging out here for over 24 minutes and I have yet to ask my first question? (laughs) (laughs) 
We knew we were going to have a hard time talking, right? Okay, no, ask the first not, question. Go for it. No, no, no. Prepared. Well, well the, thing, the thing is, is you've already actually answered some of the questions before I've had a chance to ask them, which is fantastic. But listeners of the Business Creators Radio Show, and we do have a contingent who follow us every single week, and I thank you for that, uh, know that there's a question I ask every single one of our guests, and here it comes. Here on the Business Creators Radio Show, we provide the tools, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. And a lot of our listeners tell me they have everything that they need to implement anything that any of our guest experts, whether it be you, Leslie, or anybody else, anything except for time and money. Now, this is a question, as I said, we ask every expert who appears on the show, because what I like is not only the variety of different answers, but also the variety of ways the question is interpreted. So how do time and money affect what it is we're discussing today, this whole idea of creating a more powerful business? It has everything to do yeah. with creating the more powerful business. I want to kind of talk, I love this question because there's a couple of things. I see that there are four phases of business, right? When right. you first started the business, typically you don't have any money, but you have a whole lot of time. Right. You start doing everything yourself, you know, very yeah. DIY, and that's great. It's appropriate for that phase. But then you get into the whole, like, no time and no money. And that's where your business kind of flatlines. Maybe you have a little bit of growth, but it's um, when I talk to some people, they describe it as I'm always hovering around this one revenue number for the year. Then you get into the point of having no time, but you have money. And you're not, you know, that's kind of an interesting place. And then there's that kind of ultimate lifestyle of I have all the time and all the money in the world that I need. Really where we get stuck, where people get stuck, is in that no time and no money because it's a little bit of of cannibalization that happens in your business. Because right. you don't feel like you have money, you can't invest in something that would give you more time so that you could go make more money. You know, and so but you don't have any money. So you can't create more time. So it's a very it's a very cannibalistic type of level. This has everything to do with building your business because, like we talked about earlier, there are some strategies that work great in your business when you're in that one to three mode. There are strategies that work better in your business when you're in the three to five, and there are strategies that work better. And it's some tied to time in your business and income and revenue and all that nice fun stuff, so it's a sliding scale. But what we don't realize is that part of the reason that we don't have any time is because we're still doing it all. We never really built the business in such a way of saying, I know I need to be doing it until X happens, whatever X is, at right. this point in time, this is what needs to shift. We never plan for the growth. The growth happens because, like we were talking about, making money is easy. Oh, yeah. Okay? Getting if paid people, is easy. It's, it really is. And the reason that it's proof, the proof that we have that it is, is because people get into the no money and no time. And you say, okay, making money is easy, but I don't have any. You don't have any because you're not getting to a point of being able to have either expo explosive growth in your business, finding leverage in whatever that means for your business, or simplifying and streamlining in your business. So. The best thing, you know, I know we're going to get into this, but the one thing that I have to say about people that feel like you're in no time or no money, there's something in your business you need to release. It's one of those rules of growth. There's right. something, you know, you need to release. And the image that I'll give people is if you can imagine a trapeze artists, you know, 50 feet, 20 feet up into the air, and they are swinging on a on a pole, and you know if they don't keep that momentum going, they're they're essentially going to get lose momentum and get to a standpoint. But in order to get momentum and swing across the net, and not fall down into the net, not get to a stopping point, they have to let go of the bar, not just with one hand, with two. They have to let go of where they are so that they can go somewhere else. Right. And so, so in this like no time, no money phase is we're holding on to some things that won't allow us to grow. And so I, what when we talk about the powerful growth strategies and, and really being smart about growing your business and planning for growth in your business, it's really about how do you get go from the no time, no money to jumping over <laughs> and getting <laughs> the money and the time that you want. And the fun thing is, it's, it's so achievable. It's achievable at six months into your business. You just have to plan for it. You just right. have to know what you're planning for. Agreed. 
Agreed very strongly here. So we've already covered a lot of the mistakes that business owners make when they try to grow their business. And you also showed us the evolution of time and money. And in my own business right now, speaking candidly, um, 2014 could be described as the time that I moved from the second phase to the third phase and the development of the Help My Website Sell.com brand, which has been live for about four years now. And our goals for the business for 2015 – there I am with the check writing syndrome, um, specifically call for us to reach the fourth evolution of time and money. So that was a great thing you shared with us, and thank you very much. So we've covered a lot of the mistakes, and one of the things we were discussing before we went live with this interview is we see so many folks who work for somebody else, they work for another company, and then they go out on their own. And because of what they see at a lot of a lot of the local professional organization networking events and what they see happen to other people who made the jump, is they have a vision that running your own business uh, basically falls under the header of you're going to be running around all day long with your planner in one hand and your cell phone glued to your ear in the other hand, and that's just your position 24-7 all day long, constantly on the go. I think that's we get that perception because it's so pervasive right. out there in the marketplace. And that's you, there's this mm, badge of success that we have monikered with that kind of illusion. Right. The, I, those people, I can look at them and I'm like, you're not making any money, are you? You have no profit in your business, do you? And they're like, no, and I'm dying. It's that busy illusion that we bring over from corporate, you know, yeah. where you had to be at your desk 8 to 5. I mean, I even had an agency, in agency world, where, man, the time you clock is how well you're doing your job. It right. really is in, the, in, the, in my agency experience. But I mean, there would be people, you know, sitting at their desk reading the paper at 7.30, and they were more diligent than, you know, if I came in at 8. I was like, I'm not sitting there reading the paper. Are you kidding me? You know, I'm going to do my job. There's The corporate world has kind of bred, I think, the busy concept of being yeah. a success. If you're busy, you're successful. And we really lost track of being efficient and productive <laughs> as monikers of success. And so there's, there's a lot of shifts that have to occur. And you and I talked about it a little bit previous about going from being a corporate, creating a business, which is really a job description, because mm -hmm. you're really just creating the job, um, feeling that the way that you are being successful is by being busy. Goodness gracious, there's just so much for me to do. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, because you're not productive, you're not making money. Well, and, um, I'm sorry, go ahead. I thought you were done. Go ahead. No, it's, you know, it's basically if you don't know what's making you money in your business and where the best use of your effort in making that revenue in your businesses, then you will be always be, you know, at the come hither, come yonder, running, you know, a mile a minute with the phone attached to permanently attached to your ear. Precisely. And very briefly here, another thing we were discussing before we came on live with this interview here is uh the experiences that I saw working in corporate. Um, I had two situations with uh, with supervisors of my own who I think were well-intentioned, but they just the fact that they actually were presenting this as serious feedback tells you how corrupting that influence can be where we get this idea of what the word busy means. Um, in one case, I was told that uh, I was being viewed as lazy and listless because I was always moving around. Um, <laughs> the person didn't think that Maybe the reason I was always moving around is because of the primary role of my position was to interact and get information from people in another department. And by going over there and getting it from them, I was actually being more productive. Now, explain to me how going face-to-face -face with somebody and interacting with them, answering their questions, getting things in real time and getting things moving forward is somehow more effective than um, playing phone tag, dialing each other's extensions or waiting for email replies. Tell me that one, please. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's just that moniker of people can't see things. And right. I think we translate so much of that into entrepreneurship. Of That's why we email when we should actually be calling people or meeting them face-to-face -to, -face to close deals and right. things of that nature. Right, right. There's, there's so much – there are 
effective ways to get things done, and there are busy ways to get things done. Right. It's just what do you value more, being busy or being able to go home for an hour and have lunch with your children at their school or (laughs) your wife or your husband or go get a massage, whatever it is you want to spend that hour doing. Yeah. You you just have to see what's most important to you, and oftentimes it's because we haven't locked down what's important. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Another piece about that is in my role in that company, I had recently implemented, um, with the support of my upper management, a policy that a lot of people in the department I interacted with did not really feel was very popular. They didn't really like it very much. So what I was doing is I was going over there building relationships so that people could see that I was actually a good guy and I was there to help Mm -hmm. and to show them how in the long run this makes actually their jobs easier. Because when I designed the process, I designed it from the perspective of making their job easier. So less things fell off the tracks, more things got communicated, and certain processes got moving faster. And without getting into details, this ultimately had to do with insurance companies um, insurance companies and reimbursement for medical expenses. So mm-hmm. if this process didn't work per- properly, um, insurance holders, like the consumers of the insurance, ended up getting balance billed for things they were not supposed to be billed for. So this was, pre- this was pretty serious business. And then the other piece of feedback I got, and this, will, and this was from a different supervisor, is they complained that they – Whenever they tried to call me at my extension, I only answered 33% of the time. And they were stuck on this 33% number. And I said, well, (laughs) you have a spreadsheet showing the times you tried to call and whether or not I answered and what we discussed because uh, my extension here, like my phone, has a caller ID log. And I'm not aware of missing, like, since we speak on the phone three times a day, I'm not aware of missing six calls a day from you. And they said, well, no, I'm just counting, but I don't need a spreadsheet. And I said, 33%, huh? <laughs> industry average uh, Industry average of live, unscheduled call, calls answered between 5 and 10%. So how much is my raise? And they said? Uh, well, I don't want to, I don't want to repeat that one, uh, because he's still, he's still a friend of mine. He and I exchange phone calls on an annual basis and we're friends. So I don't want to say that he might even listen to this, because occasionally he listens to this and then he emails me to bust me o- over something. So, uh, so if you, so if you're listening, uh, and you know who you, you are, uh, you know, you have this one coming. So I know I'm going to get my balls busted for that one, but oh, well, well but let's talk about that concept for a second, yeah. because, you know, if you, if you you're looking at the entrepreneurs that are constantly have the fan against their ear. You, there's a part of our society, truly, and uh, about you know this concept about being good in business that says you must be ultimately responsive. Um, you must be, you know, there's this concept of good customer service as being at somebody's beck and call. That's a there's a lot of falsehood to that. There's a lot of myth to that. In fact, you can have absolutely superb customer service and still restrict how that is delivered. Right. You know, res- yeah, as I do uh, talk about you know banishing your time demons and getting two hours back to your day. And we talk about this whole concept of voicemail was really put into place because we didn't have phones and you needed to leave a message. And right. then email really kind of came in to be this re- um, replacement to voicemail so that you could be you know at your computer and do it. But it was never really meant to be this instant response system right. that we've turned it into being. And the same thing is with our phones. Because we have more access to it, we've turned it into somehow mentally that it has to be this instant response system, and that's not its intent. You know, it was never what it would be, and it costs us hours, easily an hour a day, and I'm, you know, can give you that email costs on average two hours a day for people. Phone interruptions cost on average an hour and a half a day for people. Yeah. And that, we both know that's average. So there's some people out there, it's costing them so much time. Yes. This misconception. Yes. Yes, and that's something I want people to hear because you're about to tell us how we're going to turn this all around, but there's one point I want to make is um, if you get interrupted by an unscheduled phone call and you take that phone call, um, it can take up to an hour and a half to get back into what you were doing after that call ends, which is the reason why I try as much as possible to stack all my calls on Monday 
So because I know that uh, because if I'm bouncing from call to call to call, I can't get into a project. And if anybody ever asks me if I can have something done by Monday, I say, sorry, no, can do. That's my phone day. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that, that's just how it is. Does anyone get mad? Does anyone get mad at you about that? No, they completely understand because they because the type of people that we typically deal with in business um, have the same mindset where they recognize the impacts of taking phone calls and know that uh, concentrating that in one area as much as possible is the best way to be productive and successful. And at the same time, that's a high level of client. Yes. So everyone that's in that no time, no money that says I can't, increase my rates. Increasing your rates naturally brings you a higher level of client. You start to see how by getting these steps up to grow your business, you actually create an environment that makes everything possible. Right. It's just the fear of it that it might not work. But the thing is, is it works hands down. It just works. It just works. It's simple and it works. Um, but I love that you shared those examples because that's exactly it. You know, distractions um, is distractions. My number one time demon is big old Harley riding, chain wielding kind of a guy. They cost us so much. And I think one of the ways that I was really able to go from being in that eighty-hour work week to working twenty hours is I controlled the distractions. So can I share a tip? Because I think we talked a little bit earlier about this, but I think it's something yes. that so many entrepreneurs need yes. to hear. We are two-thirds of the way through. We're two-thirds of the way through here, and I want to give you a few minutes at the end within our hour here. So now let's start turning it around. Uh, you've created a job for yourself instead of a business for yourself. How are we turn this around? Give us your tips. Show us how it's done, Leslie. Well, first of all, you've got to, you know, that release is about a lot of different things. But the first thing you need to do is let go of these distractions. You need to turn off your phone. <laughs> you right. need to turn it over so you can't see it, put it in your phone, you know, your purse, your briefcase, wherever it needs to be. When you're in a project situation, when you're in a dedicated time situation to where, like you were saying, to answer that phone actually is costing you an hour and a half in your day. Minimally, it's 15 minutes to get back into a task, but it depends on where you were in right. that project. Turning off the phone and having, you know, giving yourself permission not to pick it up is huge. And one of the things that I tell a lot of people that have a problem with this is most people would not pick up the phone while they're with a client. Right. They'll pick up the phone when they're almost with anyone else in the world, but not with their, when they're with their client. You have to give yourself the same respect when you're in a project, in on a task, in with the client, with your family, with your son, your daughter, your wife – your husband, whoever it is, you have to get that same respect right. to not answer the phone. Right. I'd like, to, I'd like to add another level to that. If you are focused on a project, uh, chances are that means you're doing something for a client. So doesn't that mean you're with a client, even though you're not speaking mm-hmm. on the phone with them? So you probably shouldn't be taking other calls because you're with a client right now. Well, if I'm doing a product development, I'm in an appointment. I mean, everything in my world is an appointment. You know, everything is an appointment in my world. And so I'm in an appointment. If I, It doesn't matter who, with, or what. If I'm working out at the gym and that's my 9 o'clock appointment, which it is, I, I go to the gym at 9 in the morning on two days out of the week, right. other times during the other time, I'm in an appointment. Yeah. <laughs> I am working out. I will be done working out, and then I will take the call. But it's just a matter of there's just this ability. Uh, self-respect that we have have given away and it needs Mm -hmm. to come back in order for you to find time because if you don't have those distractions i just spouted off you know three hours of your day that really is being eaten up we didn't even talk about facebook and texting and all the other things right right there's you're giving away time you just don't know that you are so that's that's kind of the big thing you've got to let some of this stuff go and have the confidence that in the process of changing these things you are going to up level your clients you're going to up level your business and you're going to suddenly have time to really be able to make money because as a business owner you should either be finding money selling money or servicing money yes as an entrepreneur those are your three critical tasks Yes, and I like all three of those. Those all sound like fun to me. <laughs> they are. They're your critical tasks. 
how much stuff is on, I call it, you know, how much green is in your calendar. I, you know, color coding calendars is one of the things I'll teach my clients if that makes sense for them. Okay. And I'm like, how much green is in your calendar? If you were to go through and take a week, how much green is really in your calendar? Oh, that, that's very interesting. Now, you are going to be, as of this writing anyway, the third person on the Business Creators Radio Show to teach us about color coding our calendars. And that's one of the mm-hmm. things that it just coincidentally that I'm working on for 2015. In fact, after we finish this interview, this being my first work day of 2015, uh, the day we did this interview, is I'm actually instituting the new colors. And I have all my project descriptions of all the open projects right now, you know, what needs to be done, who I need to speak with to my own team about those, what needs to be acquired, what needs to be written, and I'm going through and I'm marking off, okay, well, this was going to happen here and this is going to happen here, and it's just so coincidental that I assigned the color green to all that because <laughs> that's money in the bank. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, because on all those projects, we're paid on, on half and half, half to get our interest, half when it's done, so uh, uh-huh. I want that other half now. And I ain't going to get it by texting and being on the phone. That just ain't going to happen. Nope. It's just so many people haven't put that kind of concept into their business. And so when you go through and and look at that, that'll be a mind shift. When I I tell my clients, you want 30 to 50% of your week to be green. If there's not green on it, you're killing your business. Right. You really are. And so it's just it's a nice visual way for people to, to see things. So, you know, that's that's kind of the tying tip, you know, but if if there was a money tip in there, um, we've already talked about pricing, so I don't really have to talk about that, although that's a huge, you know, an hour, 10 hours in and of itself. But I will say, you know, I think one of the biggest misconceptions that people have uh, with businesses is they always feel like they need more new clients. That is a hard way to build a business. It's necessary at a lot of points. You always need a good influx of clients, but it's one of the hardest ways to get massive growth. If your clients are only buying from you once a year, if you were able enabled to entice them to buy again, that is the easiest way to either add 50% to your bottom line, 100, 200%. You know, it's that concept of leverage and how do you entice your clients to buy from you more than once in a year. You took a lot of work to get that client in the door. Yes. There's a lot of value that you can still provide to them. What is it? Right. So I always like to bring that one in because it's a lot of things that people don't think about because you've got, you started off early on needing new clients, needing new clients, and that's great. You do need new clients. But once you have these clients, what are you doing with them? How are you continuing the relationship? How are you solving their next problem? And that is an exponential growth to your bottom line. You're not having to spend marketing dollars out there. You already know the client, so your project has much less ramp up and learning time on this client. You become more efficient and more profitable, and it adds to your bottom line. Yes, yes, this is something that we all need to think about very seriously in terms of, you know, what do we do? In fact, uh, the entrepreneurs I know who I speak with on a regular basis who are most successful, who I actually believe their income claims, Mm -hmm. they all have policies where they strictly limit the number of clients they'll have on at one time. It doesn't matter who you are. If there is a – and you want to work with them, it doesn't matter how much money you have or or whose mastermind buddy you are or anything. It just doesn't matter. If there's not a slot open, you go on the waiting list. End of story. Mm-hmm. Because they, cause they've committed that uh, as far as that side of their business, they only recognize that they can grow so fast. Because um, it's great to say, well, just take on more clients and hire more team members. Um, I recall somebody, also a friend of mine, who was rendering a service. I'm not going to give any details because I don't want to out the person because they, um, they're in a different business now and they're doing very well with it. But they had a very um, sad time with this one business model because as part of the service, he said, oh, and we'll build you a website too. So they booked all these clients for this service, which was great. And then for the, and we'll build your website too, they brought three developers on their team. Well, wouldn't you know it? that within a 24-hour period, just all of a sudden, all three developers disappeared? (laughs) I mean, they weren't like part of a company, and they weren't like buddies with each other, where they all just said, hey, let's all blow this pop stand together. But one just quit, 
the other had an argument with my friend, and uh, that was the end of it. And the third one just stopped answering emails. Mm. Left all these projects just hanging out there. And this friend of mine ended up losing money bringing in another firm just so that they could meet their expectations. So my coaching to anybody in that situation would be, why did you offer them a website? Aren't there web designers out there and do their website? Are you in a web design business or are you in a fill-in-a-blank business? Decide which one you are because and we'll build you a website too. That's not always a benefit. There are plenty of great web design companies out there. I have relationships with several of them, and I would hire them in an instant to do a website, but I'm not going to hire somebody that says, oh, we'll build you a website too. It just doesn't work that way. Well, and when you're not profitable, you know, you can't make up in volume what you're losing in margin. That's, that's what happened. That's what happened. Can't they fund the volume, and it cost mm-hmm. them their margin and then some. I mean, they had to pay money just to just to fulfill their obligations. They they came out behind when all was said and done. Whereas if they left they left off that little website piece, they probably could have assumed, they probably could have assumed more volume, or they could have raised their rates and said, well, we offer this new service, but we're only taking on five people right now because of the level of intensity that's involved with these projects. Um, after we clear the first five, we'll, bring, we'll consider bringing on more, but for now, this is it. And they would have made so much more money that way. Yeah, you have to know your numbers. It's one of the keys. And, you know, we talked about those seven figures. There's seven figures in your, in your business to know that determine and can show you the health of it. You can right. use it to look at your business high, low, you know, product level, whatever. But the thing is, is people don't know their numbers. They don't know their profitability on a certain product. And so it sounds good to add like that, but you don't know the profitability. So if you're going to lose right. $10 for every sale, why are you in business? Oh, I get it. I get it, Leslie. Seven figures. You were messing with me. This is my show. You can't mess with me like that. Seven figures to seven figures. You did not correct me earlier because I'm you sorry. need to have a light bulb moment. Seven different figures you look at, seven different calculations that get you to seven figures. Hey, sometimes yes. Grasshopper crawls a little slow here. But, uh, I'm so it's also, sorry. It's also Joke good we present it this way. It's also good we present it this way because it creates what's known as a pattern interrupt, which means those that are listening will get it more profoundly because we did it this way. <laughs> well, and I will make sure that I explain it differently. But, you know, all the strategies, all everything that we've been talking about really are strategies that affect those numbers in your business. Right. You know, it, it, and that's the discussion for another day. But so it's just you need to know the numbers in your business, and knowing the numbers in your business will set you free. It right. really is the ultimate key to freedom. Um, and it is it's one of those keys to getting out of that no time and no money kind of of uh, you know flat line period that you can get into. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know where that money is. The right. If you're, you've got clients coming in the door, you need to know where the money's going. Right. That's the only right. way you'll fix the problem. Yeah, I can tell you, um, within my first two years of entrepreneurship, um, I had built the job for myself, and I had – so many clients and so many bad fit clients who were just driving me up a, a flipping wall. Um, I actually forgot to go grocery shopping and ate toothpaste for breakfast one morning. <laughs> then I got so mad, and this is and I've spoken about this on podcasts and it's come up on other episodes of the Business Creators Radio Show, where I got so frustrated because my printer decided halfway through printing a page to tell me it'd run out of ink, and I was so <laughs> mad because it couldn't have had the decency to tell me it'd run out of ink before starting to print the page costing me a piece of paper that I didn't have time to go out and replace. Um, two years later, when I was moving out of that apartment, I was still finding pieces of that printer. <laughs> and I, and I, I tell this story is like the day that it all turned around, because the lesson from that is, uh, yeah, that day was really awful. But because I was an entrepreneur, because I owned my own business, regardless of how I configured it up until then, I had the power to say, this is really awful that I'm smashing office equipment to deal with stress. Uh, this changes now. People are getting awesome. fired. Things are changing. Yeah. Uh, that's it. And have yep. the power to do that. In a corporate environment, you have to thank the person who drove you there and acknowledge their wisdom and promise to learn <laughs> from them in the future. I mean, really. So we have um, so we have exactly six minutes left here, and I want to turn yeah. to stage you in just one moment. But for anybody – who's listening right now, who took an hour out of their overstressed, I built a job for myself business, thinking that hopefully there's the answer here, something they can do today, who's thinking about smashing their printer, 
what was the one thing you would have them do instead to start turning them, turning them around, heading them in the right direction? It's one thing they can do. Uh, you know, you just kind of put it, uh, you hit the nail on the head with this story. Is you have the ultimate responsibility and the ultimate power. If you think of He-Man and She-Ra, I have the power. You have to, to accept that and embrace it because you do have the absolute ability to change. You do have the absolute ability to have that money, have the time, have the business you want, and it doesn't have to be on Sunday aisle. You know, it right. can be tomorrow. There's things you can put into place tomorrow. There are things you can turn around in three months. There are things you can turn around in six months. That's a really short period of time. And yeah. so, But it starts with the accepting the responsibility for where you've been and what you've done and expect expect. Ex- accepting the power that you have in changing it and being willing to change. Change doesn't have to be bad. That's, you know, what we do as as service providers, as business coaches, is helping that make that easy. But you do have to come to that realization that you are responsible and you can change it. Right. not being afraid to do it. I've done it several times in my life, you know, twice with my first business, into this, into your biz rules. It's actually kind of fun to get a system reset. Yes. And so – um, know that you can do it, and the world won't end at the end of the day. Yep, I'm really actually, yeah, because I'm actually in the process of a more mild system reset right now because we have uh, been very fortunate to bring on a lot of great accounts, and now we're in the crunch mode to get them all done, which is which is actually kind of exciting here. The short story in terms of how I solved the printer smashing thing was um, uh, after consulting with my business coach, I outright fired one client who then mm-hmm. came back to me apologetic, and we ended up finishing their project and sending them on their merry way. Um, another client ended up getting fired within about three weeks because um, it, was just, it was just an impossible, untenable situation. And it was just one of those things where it was jinxed, best way to yeah. describe it. I mean, I've described it in greater detail in other places. And the third was one who was just really naggy. So right around the time I was pondering my printer, um, I got an email from them and said, where are you? And I typed back, wait, and hit reply. And then they wrote back and said, who do you think you're talking to? And I said, I'm talking to you. You don't like it, go somewhere else. Send. So we had a coming to Jesus moment, and we ended up uh, resetting everything, doing a fantastic project together and doing an awesome product launch. But it required that, that, it required that moment where they had where they had to know that their constant nagging was driving me over a wall, mm-hmm. and, it, and it created the, and it created the scenario so that we could get to the bottom of it and figure out where each of us could do better in a relationship because I wasn't perfect in that relationship either. But it creates that opening so you can reset. And as you said yourself, resets are great. Sometimes sometimes the red light has to flash where you know you have to hit the reset button now. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I hope people don't get to that point, but that's why we do what we do, you know, right. keep you keep you out of that danger zone. Right, right, and, that, and that's exactly what happens. And when we create uh, jobs for ourselves rather than businesses, we end up writing things like that and smashing printers and everything else, or thinking about doing it. Some people don't cross the Rubicon, but uh, <laughs> and and, and, I'm, and I'm and I'm uh, I never have any fear of revealing the truth about myself because it is the Business Creators Radio Show. I am the host, and uh, I'm allowed to be true to myself for one thing. That's an entrepreneur's mindset, and another is because I want everybody listening to know that you're not alone. That it's it's okay to feel this way, and it's also okay to take power and take charge and do things better, as I've done, as Leslie has done, as so many others have done. So just one minute here. Um, I want to thank you, Leslie, so much for joining us. So as we wrap up, let me give you the floor. Just take a minute. Tell us how you serve business creators and how our listeners can get more information from you regarding this topic. Well, great. Thank you. You know, I love helping business owners and entrepreneurs really grow their business in an exponential way that does everything we went into business for it to do. So I actually have a great webinar that we're giving in January. You can access it at Your Biz Rules, plural, and it's B-I-Z. And so yourbizrules.com forward slash grow. And that, that'll give you the opportunity to claim your spot for that. But when you claim it, you actually get our five most popular ways to kickstart growth in your business. We've talked about a few of them that, here today, but there's three more there. And in the webinar, we're going to go a lot more into how do you plan for growth, how do you make growth happen in your business, and really if you've flatlined, how to get it back if you're early on, how to be smarter and be able to kind of <laughs> jump over that flatline step. 
stage. Right. And then if you're, you know, wherever you are in your business, be able to meet you there and give you that exponential growth. So just go there, and you'll be able to be in touch with us, learn more about us. And then, you know, like I said, I love to share and love to help teach people how to grow their businesses in a way that's about more time and more money. Absolutely, and since this does go on iTunes and may be around for a while, just be sure to check out Leslie's website at yourbizrolls.com. There's a link to it on Business Creators Radio Show, and there are going to be many different offerings as you go along. I've seen some of them already. So, Leslie Hassler, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. I enjoyed. I enjoyed it immensely. Yep, for everybody listening, this is Adam Homie, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and on our iTunes channel. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.